Welcome to the Lucas Miles Show. I'm your host, Lucas Miles, and it is now 4.38 p.m., and I still have not had lunch. So how is your day going? Uh, I'm glad you're listening. On today's show, it's a real privilege to be able to bring to you a legendary actor. John Reese davies is on the program today, and I had a chance to talk to John about his, his career in Hollywood, his start in uh, really being classically trained in the theater, the first play that he saw at 11 years old. This guy is he's brilliant. He is, he's got a really good vocabulary too, I might add, and he's an incredible actor. You know him from films like uh, The Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, he has over 269 credits on IMDb. Uh, this guy is a legend, and man, what an honor to have him here on the Lucas Miles Show today. You're going to love this interview, and uh, he also talks about his faith and just the, the role of Christianity in this world. John would consider himself a skeptic and has a very unique position on Christianity. I think you're going to enjoy that. We also talk about his upcoming project, I Am Patrick, uh, which is available through a Fathom release in theaters on March 17th and 18th. And uh, you can go to IamPatrickMovie.com in order to find out more about that, and we'll include that in the uh, in the show notes as well. But before we get to John, I'll tell you a little bit about today's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Cove. Head over to covesmart.com to find out more. My house is protected by Cove. Five-star home security system without contracts or headaches. Head over there and you can check out their system, all the different products that they have from, from door sensors, window sensors, home cameras. You can tie it in with an app. I can pull up my house right now, flip through the cameras, see what my dog and cat are doing, make sure everybody's safe. I travel a lot. It's a really great thing for you know our family. I think you're going to enjoy it as well. Head over to covesmart.com. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. And now, my interview with John Reese davies Welcome to the Lucas Miles Show. I am your host, Lucas Miles, and I am honored to have as my guest today, Mr. John Reese davies Welcome to the program. Delighted to be on it, my dear boy. You know, this is, this is just fabulous. I think about every favorite movie I've ever had, you're in it, and uh, it's just, it's incredible to talk to you and just, you know... Uh, I'm excited to kind of jump into uh, a conversation today. Well, I've had a very lucky life as an actor, haven't I? I, 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 uh, I got lucky. And uh, most actors congratulate themselves and feel very happy if they get lucky once in their lives. I, I've just had the good fortune to picking something every 10 years that sort of lasts and endures. And that's rather fun. So let's talk about, you know, maybe first off, what what role do you get recognized the most often for, maybe if you're walking down the street? Well, if you are a 24-year-old girl, The Princess Diaries 2 by Count Mowbray, um, as, as Chris, the beautiful Chris Pine's uh, wicked uncle, um, that that would be that particular role. If you are a little bit older and a Tolkien fan, obviously, Gimli in Lord of the Rings. At the airport today, Sulla in Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It all depends. The people who 
who see certain films at key moments of their lives uh, will recognize you always for that. The other day I was at a fan convention in the States and three gentlemen presented themselves. Grandpa had seen it, Raiders of the Lost Ark, when he was 11. He'd taken his son to the cinema to see a special screening when he was 11. And they had both taken the grandson to see it, and he was just 12. And, you know, for each of them, being one of those memorable uh, and iconic moments of filmmaking, of watching a film. It just depends, really. John, what's what's really attributed to, you know, you talk about that you've been able to be lucky multiple times throughout your career. You know, what's really attributed to that good fortune that you've had, you know, in this business, which is obviously very challenging for a lot of people? Of course it's challenging. And that's why I was emphasizing luck. Look, anyone who succeeds has something, has some measure of talent or appeal to the public. But no matter how good you are, Unless you get the opportunities, nothing will happen in your career. And that's the unfortunate aspect that nobody can calculate when they take that decision to be an actor. You know, if, if I join a major international company working in the mailroom and work hard and apply myself, I will get promoted. There's no reason perhaps why I shouldn't get on the board or even become the CEO or COO of the company if I'm that good. But there is no orthodox career for success in acting. And it's not false modesty to say there's real luck involved. I am a damn good actor. I'm extremely well trained. I've had a lot of practice. I'm well read. I am quite intelligent. But that in itself doesn't guarantee <laughs> that next week's bread and butter will be net. Right. It's in the end. Actually, to be honest with you, there is one shortcut that every everyone involved in our business, I mean, you're an entertainer as a well. Absolutely. Let's way. hear the shortcut. I'm all ears. It's that great maxim of Dr. Johnson's. The drama's laws, the drama's patrons give. And we who live to please must please to live. And if you're going to be in show business or a writer or anything, that you should have engraven in large letters on a plaque and it should be on the wall opposite your bed so that every morning when you wake up, you look at that and you ponder on what it means. In the end, those of us who live to please must please, to live. The audience, the reader, the auditor, they are the people who actually determine our fates. That's, I think that's really strong advice. We have a lot of talent that listen to the show, and so I think they're going to appreciate that. Oh, well, it's so easy to, it's so easy for a performer, a musician, or, or somebody suddenly propelled to instant fame at the age of 20 to forget that. In the end, it's about the audience. If you look after the audience, eventually, they may look after you. But if you neglect your audience, if you despise your audience, you disparage your audience, they will punish you for it. Uh, and that's also true of politicians, of course. It is the voter 
that you cannot despise or disparage. Johnson, talk to you. Mentioned a little bit about you know kind of your this this uh, upbringing that you had. You're very well trained. I know you have a very strong background in classic literature. Was there a moment for you that you know you really realized that all that training had just paid off? You know, what was that first big kind of break for you that you went, oh my gosh, I just maybe tapped into something here? The moment I realized that I had to be involved in the drama was at the age of 11 when I saw the very first play that I ever saw, which was an amateur production at my school in Truro in Cornwall of Oedipus Rex. Now, you're an 11-year-old, old, <laughs> and your first play is Oedipus Rex. <laughs> I mean, come on, if that can't hit you. <laughs> right, right. Now it's like Shrek or something like that for a lot of people, right? Oh, that's right. That's right. I, I, I left the evening performance stunned and went straight to the seniors' library. I was not meant to be in the seniors' library and found Aristotle on tragedy. And I read then and I learned then what I will tell you now. Tragedy then is the imitation of an action, complete and of some importance, acted, not narrated in language enhanced by distinct and varying means, and through pity and fear effecting its purgation of these emotions. What does that mean? Well, I'm still working on it after 50 years, actually 60 years now that I think of it. The moment that I thought I might be in with a chance was when I did Victor Victoria. That's with Julie Andrews and James Gardner, right? That's right, yes, and found myself in a cast of wonderfully easy, accomplished performers and thought, if I can just hold my own in this, I'm in with a chance. That's cool. And it's wonderful. But to be honest with you, in order for me anyway to succeed, by and large, you've got to keep that internal critic active in the sense of saying, I'm going wrong, I'm going wrong, but not hyperactive in the sense of, I'm rubbish, I'm rubbish, I'm no good. <laughs> There's um, a fine line, I would imagine, and, between those and, two. And that's, it, it's a balance. And getting the balance of things right is the whole journey of life, isn't it? I mean, T.S. Eliot, in that wonderful observation, says that we are all engaged in, quote, the common pursuit of true judgment. And that is absolutely right, isn't it? Your judgment of, of uh, the political event that has happened today, you know, or my judgment of it, you know, we overemphasize this. We are taking on information from this paper or that paper, and perhaps when we look at it more accurately and get it in its right proportion, it isn't quite that headline at all. That's the subs to oversimplification and sometimes the wrong title of the article. And the article itself is a reflection of a journalist's opinion of somebody else's action that has been passed on to him through the, you know. Right. Seeing things as they really are. Gosh, isn't that a demanding job? I just did an interview here recently. It was a, it was a large event. It was in front of a... It was in front of a, a decent-sized crowd, and for me, it was a highlight of my, you know, it's a highlight of kind of my career. It's the first live event that we did. 
But I had that moment afterwards and I wasn't beating myself up, but I did exactly what you said. I thought, you know what? That went well. And I had a lot of people that told me that was fabulous. Good job. But in the back of my mind, I heard this voice that said, but you can do better. And I felt that tension that you just described. I wouldn't have called it that at that time. But I know exactly, you know, it's that truth is in the paradox. It's that the guitar string that's stretched that creates the note between those two fixed points. You know, and I think that's such good advice that you brought, you know, for, and I, I think it applies to entertainers as well as businessmen or, you know, parent raising their children, you know, this, this same value. Yes, it is. And I suppose people of faith and people who are bought, brought up within a religious tradition and a religious framework, it's as if the grids of life are laid out more clearly. And those without those grids of learned and inherited behavior have to, have to really start from scratch. And it's not surprising that some never make it. So let's talk about faith a little bit, because you have a new film coming out called I Am Patrick, where you play St. Patrick, and it's a docudrama, and I had a chance to watch it here recently. It's fabulous, by the way. Did you enjoy it? I, I haven't seen it myself <laughs> I did. I, I watched it on an airplane the other uh, about a week ago, uh, kind of prepping for this, and uh, I, I, I thought it was wonderful. I, and I'm, you know, I started as a pastor myself, so I have a faith background. Um, and, and so, but I didn't, I didn't know a ton about the story of St. Patrick. And so, you know, being able to see that kind of be played out there and brought to life, I thought was really, uh, was really insightful and, you know, filled in some gaps for me. You know, you, you've, you've never been a stranger or you've never been afraid to kind of defend the faith community. Uh, what was it about this project that maybe drew you to it? Well, I've always enjoyed teasing my Irish friends by telling them, well, of course, you realize your patron saint is a Welshman. <laughs> In truth, he is such an interesting character, isn't he, Patrick? He is, he is that, he comes out of the, you know, almost the dark ages as, you know, a suffering, intelligent, self-critical self-justifying individual and that wonderful paradox of a humble man filled with certainty. Obviously, I, I do the narration for it and I have a tiny little part in it as the older Patrick. The real burden of the acting is carried by the younger Patrick and the middle-aged Patrick. I just steal their plaudits and I'm happy to do so. <laughs> I, have a, I have a quote here where you said, we owe Christianity the greatest debt of thanks that a generation can ever have. Uh, why is that? Look, everything that we value, everything that I valued when I was a student 50, 60 years ago, which I cannot any longer count on an audience accepting, really comes from... Christianity. The, the idea of the right of free speech, uh, the idea of the right to hold your own opinion, uh, really derives from the second century AD when, you know, Roman Christians or Christians living in Rome were told that they must practice the emperor's religion and faith. And that quiet voice in them said, no, actually, I serve a different God. 
And I have a right, a divine right, to do so. And from that has come our own great sense of free speech and even things like the Bill of Rights and habeas corpus that are the founding marks of your constitution, which derive in English law, which derive from the testimony of Christians operating on that early principle. The great glory of Christianity, of course, is the abolition of that abomination, slavery. And it is one of the great and greatest marks of a civilization. And Western European Judeo-Christian civilization brought that about. Uh, and do not ever underestimate the importance of that in this age of relativistic cultural disparagement that we uh, we find ourselves adrift in. It is a glory of mankind, and it comes from Christianity. I mean, I agree with you, and I think a lot of people seem to be, you know, maybe there, there's this rising disdain against Christianity today where we've kind of lost sight of a lot of what you've said. Why do you think that is? Well, for instance, we don't like to be unfair. <laughs> that's a very human <laughs> response. Incidentally, that's a response. Uh, uh, unfairness is something that even babies appear to be able to recognize. Yes, this is true. Um, uh, that's, that's really built into our genes. But if we're going to attack one religion or we disagree with one religio-political thing, for instance, well, let's take today's cases of devout Muslims in Qum deliberately kissing and licking the holy objects, despite the fact that the coronavirus is possibly present on them because they place their faith above uh, the fears of death. Now, Islam is basically founded on the notion that this life is not important. The purpose of this life is to to get into paradise. And those who are fair say, but Christianity is like that as well. Uh, and so we tend to say that both religions are idiotic if they believe, if one believes that and the other has a, a belief system that understands that and shares that, then both are equally idiotic in our modern secular eyes. It seems unfair to criticize Islam uh, if you're not prepared to criticize Christianity. Uh, and, and that's part of the anti-Christian, anti-religious movement. It's understandable, but it is, of course, wrong, because their value systems are diametrically opposed, in a way. There, there is nothing about that awful injunction, give up all, and follow me that allows, for instance, you know, personal suicide or being a martyr's death with a bomb strapped to you that takes other people with you. I say awful in the sense of it being such an imperative, powerful, disturbing, fear-filling commandment. They are not equivalent religions. 
And of course, to say that means that you are partial, and to say that, of course, means that you are unfair and discriminatory and <laughs> all those other things. You know, I, I always say that um, Jesus' message was both inclusive and exclusive at the same time. It's available to all, and it's, and it's limited to those who believe. And I think, you know, really what you're describing, that this, this idea of unfairness, you know, is kind of summed up in that. So I appreciate, you know, your, your part that you've done over the years, even though you've called yourself a rationalist and a skeptic, you know, for really the defense that you've made towards Christians and towards Christianity and towards even Jesus himself. And I think we really see that in this, in this new film, I Am Patrick. So uh, we're, we're out of time, but I appreciate so much you coming on. I, I, we definitely need to have another conversation again, John, because I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly captivated and I appreciate uh, you sharing with us and spending a little time with us on the show today. Well, Patrick is a giant. Uh, a giant of civilization, and it was an honor to have anything to do with it. And if you will allow a rationalist and a skeptic of feeble-whipped and poor mind to defend Christians and Christianity, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Yes, well, there you are. It's a silly <laughs> position, isn't it, really? Uh, I love it. I love it. The film is called I Am Patrick. Uh, our audience can head over to IamPatrickMovie.com. It's released as a Fathom event. Uh, you can check it out in theaters March 17th and 18th only. So head over to IamPatrickMovie.com in order to get ticket info and find out locations. John, just absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you so much for having me. And bless you all. Hey, just want to say thank you for listening to the Lucas Miles Show. Give us a shout out. We'd love to have you share this episode, help some other people find out about the program. If this was something that you enjoyed, make sure and tell a friend. And don't forget, hit us up on social media. Uh, you can find me at, at Mr. Lucas Miles. That's at Mr. Lucas Miles on both Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, actually, all three. So check us out there. And we got some amazing interviews coming up later this month. In the meantime, thanks for listening to The Lucas Miles Show.